There's an interesting link that can connect people together. It can be just about anything. It can be common friends. It can be common experiences. But sometimes it's a common uh, item. And I was thinking this past week about two rising musical artists that were linked by a song. I want to begin this morning with a story that comes out of the relationship of two famous musicians. These two artists came to the forefront of the American music scene back in the early 70s, and they both had a successful solo career, but there is one song that they both recorded, and with that one song, one became more successful than the other. One sang it to the success on the charts, but the other one wrote it. And it's the writer of the song that made it all possible. And I'm talking about the song, You've Got a Friend by Carole King. I want you to listen to it in a couple of moments, and I want you to see the connection that leads into our topic of empathy today. The song is about being there for other people, being empathetic for someone in need. And this song is about being there for other people when uh, they need you to be there for them. I saw when I was doing a little bit of research about this song that Carol King was quoted as saying, um, this was as close to pure inspiration as I've ever experienced. The song wrote itself. It was written by something outside of myself through me. And according to James Taylor, uh, King was inspired by his song, Fire and Rain. I don't know if you remember that song. And that in that song, there was one line that caught Carol King's attention. I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. You remember that line from that song? I've seen lonely times when I could not find a friend. And that was what the inspiration was that caused Carol King to sit down and write this song. And so... It's out of fire and rain that this song, You've Got a Friend, came about. And it's all about cultivating this idea of empathy and nurturing this idea of picking up the clues when somebody else uh, is in sorrow and they need our empathy. So we're going to watch it. Let's take a look. down and troubled and you need some love and care and nothing oh nothing is going right close your eyes and think of me and soon See you again 
If the sky high above you should grow dark and full of clouds, and that old north wind should begin to blow. Together and call my name out loud now, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soon I'll be knocking upon your door. You just call out my name, and you know. Spring, summer, or fall. Hey, now all you got to do is call, and I'll be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, ain't it good to know that you've got a friend when people can be so cold? They'll hurt you, yes, and deserve. So I love that slideshow because you could almost sense through the slides itself that bond that they had, couldn't you? There was kind of a genuine love for each other. And the thing that really produced it was that empathetic song that she wrote to kind of acknowledge uh, a time that he was going through in his life where he needed a friend. He felt that there was no one there for him. And she stepped up. And boy, I think we resonate with that because empathy is a part of goodness. So a few weeks back, we started this series called Goodness Gracious. 
And this particular series, we're, t- we're t- trying to take a look at this idea of goodness. What is it? Uh, what makes up the idea of goodness as we express it to one another? And I told you that over 700 times in the Old Testament, there's a three-letter word called tov that is translated goodness that is found there. And what we're doing over the next few weeks is we're trying to cultivate goodness by nurturing the ingredients of goodness. And today it's right at the top, nurturing empathy. Next week we'll talk a little bit about grace. So have you ever noticed when you read the Gospels that Jesus had an eye for wounded people? So when you think about how he began his ministry, it's on a Sabbath day. He goes into the synagogue, and it is there that he is worshiping the God of Israel, and it's time for their scripture reading. Whether he pre-planned this or whether he was asked to read a section, or we don't know. But what we do know, even though we don't know all the details, is Jesus is the reader of that day, and he chooses this moment to read a passage out of Isaiah chapter 61. And the prophet Isaiah is making a stunning prediction of a time when God is going to restore the fortunes of his people. And so Jesus gets up and he reads this passage of scripture. I want you to see it because it just oozes with empathy. So here we see in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, it tells us, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news. There's that idea of tov again, good, goodness, good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So what we see taking place here is Jesus will, by his actions, express empathy, but he will intentionally uh, choose a passage of scripture that he reads when he's beginning his public ministry. So his public ministry and the very heart of his ministry is a heart for wounded, neglected, ignored, abused, lost, violated people And he sees the image of God in each person because he has empathy. So what is empathy? Empathy is the ability to see the world through the pain of other people. Empathy is the ability to see the world through the pain of other people. And he is faithful to that calling in his life. And he's able to discern all that people are experiencing, all that they're feeling, And empathy is what allows us to recognize and share some of the same emotions and even the distress of other people during times when they feel they do not have a friend. So compassion works itself out from first empathy. It's a feeling. It's the ability to see what somebody else is going through and then out of that feeling act compassionately toward another person. And boy, Jesus did this on a regular basis. When you look at how he uh, nurtured empathy, he was an individual that was able to see the image of God in each and every person that surrounded him. So many times in churches, um, 
there are those that are on the inside and there are those that are on the outside. It's sort of like high school. We all remember there are insiders and there are outsiders. Well, churches that follow Jesus and the way of loving our neighbors as ourselves don't simply take on a particular group of people, but rather the goodness culture has a radar that sees racism, classism, and other isms that degrade our fellow human beings as something that is wrong. And so when we see how we treat each other, no matter where we are on the economic ladder, where we are on the racial spectrum, no matter where we are in our experiences of life, whether we've had a hard life or whether we've had a blessed life, we understand that we are all in this together. And we don't dismiss anyone. All of us have a voice. All of us have an opportunity to share the story of what God can do through empathy. And what we find is that the church has lost its way a little bit. What Many times I find that in certain churches, there are certain classes of people that get shut out. And so every week we try to affirm the fact that we are an LGBTQI uh, affirming, open congregation. However, that's not the only problem that churches have had. Uh, many times um, their attitude toward women has been terrible because it's kind of a patriarchal system that has been developed. I was thinking of a quote, um, Pastor John MacArthur, when Beth Moore was starting to raise some, some concerns um, about some of the, the, the masochism that's in churches. Uh, he stood up in the pulpit of his church out in California and he said, Beth Moore, it's time for you to go home. Really? No, Beth Moore was making a very important point that it seems as though women who want to exercise their gifts sometimes are perceived as a threat to narcissistic males wrapped up in power games, and sometimes churches are male-centric cultures. But a church called Tove will empower women and other people in their giftedness and encourage those gifts to flourish within the body of Christ and into their own worlds as well. And we see this in a passage of scripture in the book of Galatians. The apostle Paul is writing uh, to the Galatian people and he writes this letter and he reminds us of something that's very important. He says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Gentile neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean that all the categories of our differences get blended together. No, what it is saying is basically God uses all these individuals, and the ideal of oneness is the ideal, ideal of being empathetic toward all people, whether they are Jew or Greek, whether they are slave or free, whether they are male or free, female, we all have a part in this role to play in what God is doing in the world around us. And we need to see that the church is part of an ongoing movement of people that are being used throughout the course of church history, and we need to value the contributions of each and every one of us. So do not dismiss your role in this church or in the body of Christ in general or in the world, wherever God takes you. You play an important part. 
And don't diminish, uh, diminish your gifts. Don't diminish your talents. They are so vitally needed. So I want to come back to the story that we talked about a moment ago in our scripture reading. Boy, that passage of scripture just oozes with em empathy. Um, what we find is that Jesus is weeping over the, the heartache that he sees in the lives of Mary and Martha and others that are watching. And I think that he is the model for all of us. When we see what we go through in life, we see as to how Jesus responded to people in their troubles. It was a part of his mission. The Apostle Paul reminds us that uh, we are all one in Christ Jesus, and if we too can step into the moment and into what people are going through, we can bring strength and we can bring uh, a support, just like Carol King did for James Taylor. So you can go back and review that a little bit, but what I want to do in the few moments that we have together is I want to give you some practical ways to, ump, uh, to up your empathy, okay? So um, here's a few thoughts that I want you to keep in mind. The effort to empathize with other people is ongoing, and the first thing that we need to do is be able to observe other people. Uh, do we have our eyes open? Do we actually see people or do we see beyond people? Uh, do we observe their uh, situation in life? Do we observe what they're going through? Do we observe the fact that um, they might be going through something that they need help with. Um, there are many, uh, many, many people that struggle with uh, depression, anxiety, stress, all kinds of things. And many times people try to hide those things from even people that are closest to them. But if we can keep our eyes open and look for little clues, that's what Jesus did. In Mark 6.34, Jesus, when he arrived on the seashore, it says, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd and he began to teach them many things. So first thing that we can do is open our eyes and in opening our eyes, we've got to get our eyes off ourselves. And when we take our eyes off ourselves and focus on other people, that's the first step to empathy. Secondly is pray. Maybe we might not know fully what an individual is going through, but we can kind of see it written on their body language that they're going through something heavy. And the least we can do is pray for them, right? Maybe they won't share the details with us of what they're going through. But one element of empathy is to pray and ask God to give that individual wisdom and grace and love uh, as they go through their uh, their rough spot, their their trial, whatever it may be. Number three is to engage. At some point, it's important to engage, uh, that is to step into the moment and to offer a lend a helping hand, um, to lend a hand to other people. Mark 1.14 says, moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I do choose be made clean. Jesus did that over and over and over again. He reached out, he touched the lepers. He reached out and touched the blind man. He reached out and touched other individuals, including women that had been ostracized from the community, others that were considered unclean, those type of things. He, 
he constantly engaged. He engaged with other people. Number four is to listen. Uh, Jesus on one occasion went through Samaria and he met a woman beside a well and he engaged in conversation and he opened his ears to her story. And there's a, a difference between listening and active listening. Active listening resists the temptation to interject our own opinions and feelings. And it's the hardest thing in life to do, isn't it? Because we hear something and we immediately go from our ear to our mouth, right? We immediately want to say something. We immediately want to interject something. But it's important to let people have their say. Let them tell their story. Next is to feel. Is there the ability for us to feel what they're feeling? If we understand what they're going through, if we're understanding their situation, can we, as the Bible tells us, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep? Can we, in many ways, this is closely related to compassion, do, can we get a sense of what's going on inside another person? You see, empathy and compassion both express a visceral solidarity with another person that reaches down into the very core of who we are and imagines someone else's pain. Next is lament. Now, lament is just another word for mourning or grieving, right? Uh, that's what Jesus did with Mary and Martha. And lament is the ability to uh, just express sorrow. And uh, it's not to give answers necessarily. It's simply to say, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. I'm here and I'm grieving with you. And then finally, are there tangible ways that we can help other people? So if we see people in need, whatever that need may be, um, are we willing to step into the moment? So those are just some practical things I think that we can do to up our empathy levels. Now, there are a couple of things that are enemies of empathy. One is pride and the other is fear. Pride is not being humble enough to feel what other people are going through. Sometimes our pride, because we haven't gone through it, kicks in and says, well, if they would have only done this, if they would only done that, if they would only have this, this, that, and this, then their whole life situation would have been different. You don't know that. I don't know that. That's simply pride talking. The fact of the matter is, all of us are born into a situation in life, and we deal with it wherever we are. Other people are born into other situations in life, and we have no idea all that they carry and what they need to learn and the changes they need to make to be able to make a better life. So let's take a chill pill, right, and swallow our pride a little bit and understand that we might think we have answers, but until we're in their situation, we might not be able to provide answers. Now, here's the danger of pride. Pride often leads to apathy, right? Because when you think you have all the answers and you think you know it all, uh, then, well, why should I help them? I, you know, they could get themselves out of that situation. Well, you don't know that. Um, all of us have to understand that we live our own lives, right? We don't live somebody else's life. And in knowing that, 
well, then can we just put down opinions? Can we just put down all of that and, and just step into the moment and to realize that other people are carrying burdens that are far too heavy for us to even imagine? The other thing is fear. We might be afraid. If I step into someone else's life and become empathetic with them, then it's going to develop into a codependency situation, and I'll never get out from all this responsibility. Uh, they will become do, too dependent upon me. They will become individuals that are obsessed with me because they think that I can help them in every situation. Um, Jenny Fetzer and her marvelous staff over at Anchor will affirm the fact that all of us need to have proper boundaries, right? So we all understand that. But don't let the fear of something uh, happening prevent you from stepping into someone else's life. It might be fear not of the other person. It might be our own fears about our own sense of inadequacy in a moment. Uh, maybe we think we might be misunderstood or uh, we might be rejected. There could be a host of fears that we carry, and that's inside us. It's not the other person. Well, I think empathy ultimately is what leads to goodness. It's one of those uh, components that leads to goodness. And I think we are all wired for empathy, whether we realize it or not. Sometimes we will push that empathy, empathy aside but individuals uh, who have studied the subjects tell us that uh, there are things like mirror neurons that uh, we all carry inside of us. And that's why sometimes we will uh, get a little bit emotional or tear, tear up on even a TV show. You know, it's this mirror neuron that we carry in us and... It's interesting that MRIs have revealed that when we observe actions or emotions in other people, certain neurons in our own brains light up as if uh, we are the ones that are experiencing it. So I'm going to test you on that right now. We're going to watch a little clip. And this is the closing scene of Schindler's List. And if you've seen the film, you know that Oscar Schindler, he's played by Liam Neeson here, is a German businessman who employed Jews during World War II to profit from their misfortune. But toward the end of the war, his heart changed, and he used his money to bribe Nazis to allow him to save 1,100 of his workers from execution. So... During his final parting with these workers, he realizes that he could have helped many others if he had acted earlier. So I want to see if this scene kind of ignites some of your mirror neurons, okay? And I want to see if you and I feel a sense of empathy, because this scene flows with empathy on both sides. Let's watch it. Here is an example of empathy. As soon as peace occurs, I want um, I want that cloth distributed to the workers. Two and a half meters each. Also, each person is to get a bottle of vodka. They won't drink it. They know its value. Likewise, those Egyptian cigarettes we organized. It'll be done. Everything you ask. 
we have written a letter trying to explain things in case you were captured. Every worker has signed it.
Sorry about the sound on that. You know what I forgot to do? I forgot to route it through the TV and it was coming off the laptop. I apologize for that. But were there any uh, mirror neurons felt? You see it in the scene, don't you? Everybody coming together and hugging uh, Liam Neeson, uh, Schindler. So what we're trying to say is this, is basically empathy is about finding echoes of another person in yourself. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good definition. Empathy is about finding echoes of another person in yourself. And so would you stand with me and we're going to close our time together with a word of prayer. Let's uh, pray, please. If we're honest, compassion does not come easy to us, Lord God. When we see others who struggle, those without homes or food, those dying from curable diseases simply because they can't get access to the medicine they need, those who have lost loved ones through death or circumstance and long for human companionship, those who are persecuted and judged because of their difference, those who are facing the awful consequences of bad choices that they have made, and those who must live with the consequences of choices that others make that impact their lives. It all just feels like too much at times, and we sometimes think there's nothing we can do. But Heavenly Father, we know that's not true. We know that compassion is enough, and that when we allow ourselves to feel compassion and empathy, it will lead us to do what we can, and sometimes that's what makes a difference. And so we pray first for ourselves that you would soften our hearts and still our fears and lead us into those acts of empathy that we are capable of doing. And then we pray for all those other individuals whose lives can be changed through small, simple acts of care and kindness that you would disturb us and others like us until we finally step up and play our part in saving your world that, and that enough of us would answer your call that the needs of the hurting ones around us may be met. We pray all of this in Jesus' precious name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much and I hope you have a great week.